everyone, and welcome to Tea with Coco. I am Coco like Chanel. Today, I wanted to talk about a very interesting topic for me personally, and that is how to help people who don't want to be helped. As you might be able to garner from the fact that I have a podcast and a blog and like to talk to people through those different mediums, I'm an extroverted person. I love to talk with people. I kind of have a master's degree now in helping people that don't want to be helped or who think they don't want to be helped because my entire family, including my husband, is comprised of people who do not want to talk about any of their feelings. They don't want to say anything is, quote, wrong with them, including my mother, who is a professional counselor, so insert laughter there. I, on the other hand, have always been this very emotionally charged wild card, constantly wanting to express myself any way I could through art, music, dance, and yes, screaming tantrums as a child and sometimes as an adult. (laughs) It should not come as any surprise that I married someone who's emotionally introverted because, well, that has become my norm. It can be extraordinarily frustrating, especially when it's a partner, but even if it is family members or friends. These people want to sit in quiet contemplation instead of expressing themselves and their thoughts. And what I like to have as a solid four or five hour friend therapy session, so many times I've wanted to scream, let me help you, but to no avail. It is shocking to me because for me, those conversations that I've had over the years of my life with with friends, with family, with counselors, where I express something that I'm scared about or that is haunting me in some way, making me sad, upset, you know, any really emotion and finding congruency with my friend or, you know, family member or husband, it makes me feel validated in those feelings. It makes me not scared to have those feelings. It makes it feel normal. And to that end, it has been such a hallmark of my life. These expressions of solidarity have really shaped who I am. And I think made me even more wanting to discuss and talk about my feelings and problems and successes and all of those things with people, probably why I started a podcast. So it's just completely juxtaposed for me to think about someone who would want to keep all of that within themselves, especially when these people, it's not that they don't feel, a lot of times they're the ones that I go to to discuss this emotional part of myself. My sister and my husband especially are extraordinarily introverted people. If I ask my husband a question, the other day I asked if he wanted to go to Hawaii again. If you guys remember, we did a wonderful podcast on our trip to Hawaii that I absolutely adored. And I found wonderful tickets um, to go there again for our anniversary this year. And I was ready to book, you know, and he wanted to think about it. 
And then a couple of days went by and he wanted to think about some more and in the scope of everything. And, and does he want to do that versus something else? I, I am just not like that. Like, let's talk about it now. Let's talk about all the different things. Let's get out of the table. Let's make a decision. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's go. And it's, it's just foreign to me that someone would have a different way. But I have learned over many, many years now of having these types of people in my life, really from birth, that it's not that they don't need that. It's that they process it in a different way. So because my mother is a counselor and I've had that framework guiding so much of my upbringing in life, and reflection on what has been successful and has not been successful in helping my loved ones, I thought I would share those kind of top five ways I have found to help these people in my lives that are never going to ask for my help or want it in the same way I would. So I hope these top five ways help you and keep you from crying during Shavasana as the instructor proclaims everything you need is inside of you like I have done on multiple occasions and hopefully let you be there for the people that are so often there for us. So without further ado, number one, don't ask what's wrong or if they need help. They will always say nothing and no. It is like weaved into their consciousness. They would prefer to suffer in silence than to ask or admit they are hurting in any way. It usually takes a very extreme situation to finally push them over the edge and admit there's a problem. And at that point, it is usually a much more dramatic conversation because they've reached their breaking point. And it's something that has pushed them beyond being able to keep everything inside. So the floodgates open and it all comes pouring out, which can be cathartic, but you want to be able to do things on a a daily, weekly basis for these people and not have these small problems that they internalize build up. So these personality types, they often love to help others, but they feel like if they ask for the same type of help, it's a sign of weakness, or it's an uncomfortable conversation for them that they don't want to have. And it's something that they shy away from until they reach that precipice. I have on multiple occasions began to try to do a workaround on this, which is these people generally love to help you solve your problems. They want to be there for you. They get a lot of self-worth, as do I, being there for the people that they love. So a lot of times, once I have recognized that, you know, there's a problem that they want to talk, instead of asking if they need help, I try to talk to them about a situation I am experiencing that I think is incongruous with what they are dealing with so that they can start to see that level of solidarity that they can see they're not alone in this and I am feeling this emotion too and I am having this struggle as well and I have this doubt or this fear and hopefully and I've seen successful you know ways that this has gone 
that they then feel emboldened and empowered even though they didn't have to speak about their own situation. They got to feel that familiarity. They got to feel that love and community without having to talk about themselves. So it's it's very subtle because you don't want it to be too leading. But I think the point is that you start that conversation and hopefully it starts to flow both ways. But if it doesn't, you can at least express to them that those are very human feelings, that you feel them and that it's okay for them to feel them. A lot of times, again, I I think this might be my mother's counseling background coming through. I'll start with explaining one of my issues or fears or concerns. And then I'll ask them, Have you ever felt anything like that? Because at that point, they're comforting me, saying that I am not alone. And hopefully, and I think they do, get, you know, that comfort themselves that it's a completely normal issue to have where at least one other person does and that other person sitting right in front of them or on the phone with them. So give that a try. I hope it works for you. Uh, It's definitely not uh, fail safe because maybe there isn't something that you can find as common ground, but at least it opens up a conversation and you guys start having those, those moments together. Number two, create situations for them to be expressive without making them uncomfortable. So I enjoy sitting and talking to people a lot of times for many, many hours about feelings, ideas, aspirations, fears, love, pretty much anything. We just, I like to talk, obviously. But that is not the standard for a lot of people. So what I have done is tried to create situations in which they can feel relaxed and where conversation can happen naturally. A lot of times these more introverted people don't want to take a lot of time for self-care. They love giving care, but giving it to themselves, again, that can be so difficult. So something as simple as booking a pedicure and getting a glass of wine might just crack that door open enough for them to feel comfortable to loosen that really tightly protected guard and let you peek in. If it's, you know, a partner or someone that you don't want to go and have a spa day with, Maybe finding something that they find comfort in, playing a round of golf or, you know, a video game, even, you know, if that's not your bag, something that is cathartic for them and can then enable you guys to reach that level of, of love and calm and serenity that really is a good breeding ground to cultivate conversation. And you're doing something that brings them joy, which is always good. And brings me to my number three. Find ways to bring them joy on a daily basis. Smiles throughout the day go such a long way. So give them a funny word of the day desk calendar or, (laughs) uh, you know, offer a way to balance out their solace with something like a smile. So I love this because it's an opportunity for me to get them to create the ultimate sin, which is to be loud and creative. So I've done things like desk ornaments or sent packages of exploding glitter with Lisa Frank throwbacks inside, large posters of Beyonce with creative hashtags, 
uh, personalized t-shirt, like really channel your inner Leslie Nope circa parks and recreation here and get creative. It's doesn't have to be expensive. It can be something as small as a keychain, but you want something that is that gentle reminder that they're loved and they're seen and people know something about them because you got them something personal that made them smile. And a smile is a hard thing to get. Um, it's easily given and, and hopefully with this, it can be easily returned. Number four, this might be my biggest recommendation over years and years and years. And that is to just show up. It can a lot of times be difficult for people with these personalities to say things like, I need you here or I want to talk. So don't ask if you can come over or if they want company. They don't want to burden you and they really don't want to talk about their emotions because they have a hard enough time dealing with it internally. So it'll be like a hard pass. Instead, I think pull a Carrie Bradshaw like she did in Sex in the City to the ultimate introverted character, Miranda. She just showed up on her door, gave him a hug, ordered Chinese, watched movies, and laughed. I think it's a very underrated form of therapy. Uh, I should alert my mother to that. I think more people should be recommending that. But just, just show up. Just make the call. Take them out to lunch unexpectedly. You know, bring over takeout and breakfast at Tiffany's or, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. The idea is that they're not asking for help. You're just giving it. And a lot of times that can feel even more like they were seen and they were loved because you didn't have to request it. It was just given to you freely. So it's truthfully been my my most successful thing my sister this past year found out that her unborn baby at that point had a very rare congenital heart or diaphragmic hernia but it wasn't a heart issue it was a lung issue and um it, it was very very serious still still is serious and she had to fly from south africa to the united states my sister is very introverted and I couldn't figure out how to be there for her. Not only proximity-wise was I not there, but how do you comfort someone who's A, introverted, and B, going through something absolutely unimaginable? And, you know, she had a two-year-old son with her, and her husband had to stay behind in South Africa, which is, you know, a seven-hour time difference. And how, how in that situation can you offer love and support? Well, again, I I did it in all the ways I just outlined, you know, for you guys. And, and hopefully she felt that where I, you know, sent packages of homemade Rice Krispie treats because they're her favorite. And I, you know, sent her funny memes every day. And I didn't constantly ask her how she was doing because I knew what the answer was. She's doing shitty. It's horrible. You're scared and freaked out all the time. I, you know booked a ticket and didn't ask any questions. I just said, this is when I'm coming, not can I come. I'm I'm going to be there for you, whether you like it or not. And, uh, you know, we've never really spoken about what I can do in that way. A lot of times, instead of asking if I can help, 
I list a few ways that I want to help and ask her which one is best for you. You tell me. I'm going to do one of these three. So you tell me which one you prefer and that's the one I'm going to do. But doing nothing is not going to be an option for me. And I feel like that way I'm respecting her boundaries and, and you know, her ability to have her own personality because obviously it's very different than mine while still maybe selfishly satisfying my desperate need to be a good sister and a good friend and to show my love. But I, I think it is wanted by all people. Everybody wants to be seen. And to that, I will transition into my number five, which is submit unprompted and unsolicited ideas. Again, they will not ask for help. However, if you send them that job listing or flowers or the funny memes or a wonderful bottle of wine or you know buy movie tickets and surprise them saying we're going to this movie, don't ask them if they want to go or you know I bought the tickets, we're going. You know, set them up on a blind date or you know even a note, you know, in in the mail. That's that's so rare and it's it's so wonderful. I love sending those type of things to my friends and family and so many times I'll go over to the house then and I'll see it, you know, pinned up on their refrigerator or you know, on their shelves and and I'll know it it meant enough to them to keep that even though it was unspoken. It's it's being respectful of the fact that they don't want to have those very intimate conversations, but for me, I can still tell them that they are seen, they are loved, and that I am here. It's not that I will be here if they need me. I am here. And I know they need that, just like I do. And a lot of times, you know, I wrote my sister in the early example a long letter when she was first going through everything and and told her that that, you know, I will be here. And I know that she doesn't need any help. It's not that she can't do this on her on her own, but me being able to be there for her is a wonderful gift that I will get to have for the rest of my life, knowing that we shared this together, even if it's something hard. Those things that you share together that are hard can then turn into some of the sweetest memories. And throughout my life, I've seen how that is 100% true. And some of the hardest times in my marriage, I think, has now made our relationship better. Some of the toughest things I've had to go through with my family has then emboldened those relationships and given us an opportunity to laugh. And when you're able to make each other smile and see each other through those things... It builds a stronger bond, just like a broken bone grows back stronger. It's it's the same with, with your love and with your emotions. I've witnessed these people have extreme generosity and kindness, but a lot of times they feel maybe unworthy to ask for that same love in return or uncomfortable asking for that same love in return. And it could be just a personality issue, but the essence of our humanity is synonymous. And that deep human desire to connect, 
maybe not in the same way I connect, but to connect, to be seen, to be loved, and to not feel alone. It's, it's a constant through us all. So it took me years of asking that wonderful question, what's wrong? Do you want to talk? Is everything okay? To finally stop asking and look for those subtle signs that these loved ones or friends were demonstrating. And once you learn those cues, you can oftentimes see them and even more acquaintance-like, you know, people, like bosses, coworkers, someone at the gym. You know, it reminds me of that Beatles famous lyric, the love you get is equal to the love that you give. And I agree with that. You know, um, John Paul, George, and Ringo got it right there. But figuring out how to give that love was a long journey for me and obviously one I'm still on. But what I have come to find with these amazing human beings that don't want to ask for help is don't. Don't ask. Just give. I think you'll get the same in return. I like to leave you all with a little lanyap at the end and this recipe is one I have found so many uses for it is a wonderful vinaigrette that I have on definitely a weekly basis and it was inspired by this combination um, of white wine and white wine vinegar and Dijon mustard I had which is kind of a regular base salad dressing in, in Europe so it's a serves two, so for a salad for two, a tablespoon of Dijon mustard, two tablespoons of white wine or rosé, doesn't have to be chilled, and then a teaspoon of lemon juice, and then avocado oil or a non, like very prevalent oil. So like olive oil is like very, very strong taste. So you want to use something that's just a little bit milder of a taste. So I like avocado oil, but you can definitely look at some alternatives. So at this point, you want to do your equal parts um, of oil. And then I like a little bit more vinegar than what is generally recognized um, in the two to one ratio of oil to vinegar, but to each their own. Uh, Salt, pepper, and I always put just a dash of cayenne. I also add a little bit of local honey in there just to cut that bitterness and tartness of the vinegars and lemon juice and Dijon, which has a little bit of that nice spicy horseradish in there as well. And then I just use a wire whisk, mix that all up in the bottom of the bowl, and then build my salad on top and run a big spoon through it and put it onto the plates. I use this like i said almost every week and i hope you guys use it too and enjoy well that is it for this week's episode of tea with coco thank you so much for joining in if you do enjoy our podcast please make sure to subscribe and give us those five star ratings until next time les de bon temps and everyone have a great day